Hello, Les Raymond here with the Mindful Movement. Whether you are about to enjoy one of Sarah's beautiful meditations or dive into a podcast interview, I would like to remind our community that the best way to support the Mindful Movement is to support the companies that make this happen. Sarah and I are very picky about the companies we choose to work with, and we are grateful to have the relationships we have and to share them with our listeners. You can learn more about our affiliates through our website by clicking on the Favorites tab. We are excited to have recently added Sunlighten as an affiliate. They make state-of-the-art infrared saunas, and their founder, Connie, came on for a recent interview if you would like to listen. Our Sunlighten sauna has been a family favorite for over a decade. Some of our most popular affiliates are the grounding mats from Ultimate Longevity, which we sleep on every night, and the Apollo Neuro, which Sarah is now wearing daily to help manage stress. When you support these brands, you in turn are supporting the mindful movement and helping Sarah and I continue to devote our time to this passion. Whether you check out these companies or not, I just want to say thanks again and reiterate how grateful Sarah and I both are for all of the support over the years. I hope you enjoy the episode. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Movement. I'm Les Raymond and I want to thank you for joining me today for another episode of the podcast. Today I have Devin Burke on. Now Devin is the creator of the Sleep Science Academy and author of Amazon bestseller The Sleep Advantage. Now I think if you're listening to this the idea that sleep is important is, uh, you know, pretty understood. I think it's one of those things that everybody at some point has enough, you know, data points <laughs> that they notice when they sleep well, they feel better. And if you ever have a really poor night's sleep, it might be hard to put in words, but you don't feel as good. So to just keep it super simple, we know it's important and we know we feel better when we have our sleep a little more dialed in. So at the Mindful Movement, where we continually try to inspire folks to play a bigger role in their sense of well-being, it would be hard to overlook this very basic need that all humans and what seems to be pretty much all living animals on the planet require, which is enough quality sleep. But 
there's a lot of things that go into the idea of what quality sleep is and there's a lot of different ways to maybe apply practices and strategies to improve the sleep that you're getting whether it's the amount of sleep you get which is important but maybe even more important the quality of that sleep now this topic is robust and it's hard to really cover all the the angles of why we need sleep why it's important how to do it in just about an hour uh, conversation but we're going to do our best to to at least address some of the ideas around sleep that might be overlooked and one thing that really stood out to me in this conversation which I think is really in alignment with the mindful movement in general is how much the way that we think about our sleep affects these needs whether it's the how much sleep or how good of sleep we're getting and I find that fascinating and I also find it like exciting because it's another way where power is handed back to us if we're awake to these ideas because there's so many things you're not going to be able to control in your life but there are a lot of things you can and with practice one of those things is surely how we think about things you know to be able to watch our our default mode of how we think about something and understand that that's just a sample of something that we're well practiced at for instance for someone that thinks uh, I'm a poor sleeper you know that's not necessarily an absolute truth you might have a history of not sleeping well and thus you identify yourself as if it's part of your genetic blueprint but it's pretty clear that there's a lot of factors that could interact with and, and thus change how well we sleep so just the simple fact that if we change the way that we think about it it could start to affect how you know those outcomes that's exciting the other thing that really stood out to me is how that how when you're not sleeping well the stories that arise inside about what that means can have a big impact on how you continue to sleep for instance if you get up in the middle of the night and I could speak to this uh, and I, we mentioned a little bit of this in the conversation if you get up in the middle of the night and then you just start to worry because you're up and you are worrying about the idea that you're not going to get enough sleep that could very well make it more challenging to fall back to sleep because you're kind of busy worrying and you could get really well practiced at that so that'll be kind of a self-fulfilling thing that just continues but just a tweak of the thought process around how you accept the fact that you're up in the middle of the night can have a significant impact on your ability to quickly fall back asleep and that's great news 
you know, because that's something that we can control and we can practice and we could grow stronger in that process. So we will discuss a little bit of those ideas and plenty other ideas around sleep in this conversation. So thank you for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the episode. Devin Burke, thank you for joining me on the Mindful Movement Podcast today. We all know, everybody knows that sleep is important, and I'm hoping that you can shed some light on the the what's, the whys, the hows, um, tell us how you got interested in sleep, and uh, give us some of your insights. Yeah, I'm excited to, excited to talk sleep with you today, Les, and, and share. Um, I'll give you the quick version so we can we can get into you know, how to help people improve their sleep and how, you know, we can give you the strategies and the techniques and tools to do that. Um, long story short, I was actually going to be a doctor of physical therapy, um, took a break, went over to Europe for three and a half months before I was going to jump into that program, realized wasn't that passionate about it, led me into health coaching, which then led me into studying a lot of different psychologies and uh, I got really into performance psychology. So I was working with a lot of high-performing entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, corporate leaders, executives. Someone I was working with had issues with their sleep. I knew nothing about sleep. I studied exercise physiology. I studied, you know, mindfulness and a lot of these different, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, all these different sort of psychologies, if you will, that can help people with their performance. Never studied sleep. More I studied sleep, the more interested I got because I realized not only is it the foundation of health, but it impacts performance and it impacts every aspect of our life. So long story short, started to study the science of sleep, started to look into what was available for people that don't sleep well, which I found out is actually the majority of people, about a third of the population has some type of sleep challenge. Um, and I realized that what I was learning and what I had learned could be applicable to helping people solve their sleep challenge, specifically insomnia, which was the challenge that this, uh, this specific client was, was struggling with. Um, so that led me to found Sleep Science Academy. And for the last you know, five years, we've been helping people around the country uh, holistically restore their natural sleep rhythms through addressing the mind and the body because that's really what needs to be addressed to, to help people be free of it, not have to rely on sleeping meds or supplements or any of the other things that are, that are really band-aids when it comes to this specific uh, challenge for sleep. Gotcha. So you said what percentage of people have a, a sleep issue? Well, 40 million people in America now, I, I would say it's a lot more than that, uh, have insomnia, but about a third of the population struggles with their sleep. So either they're not getting enough sleep uh, or they actually have some type of chronic sleep issue, whether it's sleep apnea, insomnia, uh, parasomnias, which, you know, night terrors and things like that. Um, but it's a massive problem. Like wow. there's so, so, yeah. So insomnia, just for the terminology, is that basically just having trouble sleeping through the night or does it refer to something more specific? Yeah, there is, there is more specific uh, criteria. So there's two there's two types of insomnia. There's what's called onset insomnia and maintenance insomnia. Onset insomnia is classified as people that have issues initiating sleep. Um, and 
there's different subtypes of that, like acute, transient, and chronic, which I can get into the sort of classical definitions around each of those. Um, and then maintenance insomnia is those that have trouble staying asleep. And so essentially acute is, you know, you're having issues with your sleep for a couple of weeks. Um, it becomes chronic after three months and it's, it's considered chronic if it's impacting your daytime activities and it's more than three times a week. So that's sort of the clinical sort of, I guess you could say diagnosis for insomnia. Um, but sometimes it comes in waves for people. Oftentimes it comes in waves. Like I, we help people in, all over the country and they, you know, they say, you know, my insomnia comes in waves. Like I'll have weeks where I have great sleep and then I'll have weeks where, or months even that I really struggle and it can come and go. So it, it, there is like a lot of different variations within those types, but does that give a little more context? Yeah, to... it's, it's crazy. It's such a big number of people being affected. I mean, it's like our country's a bunch of zombies walking around sleep deprived. It's, it, you know what? It's, it's, it's true. And it's really scary. I was actually just yesterday, I was on a consult with a gentleman um, in Minnesota, who was a truck driver. And, you know, we do these consultations to see if what we do can help people. And he was explaining to me, he, 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 he stopped working, thank God, because he had insomnia. And, it, you know, he realized that it was dangerous for him to be on the road. And, you know, we were getting into the consultation. And, it's, this is a big problem. He's like, yeah, I, I, I was working even though I was having insomnia, even though I was like kind of falling asleep at the wheel. And then finally I said, Hey, I don't want to kill myself or other people. So I decided to, you know, take a leave of absence, but it, that freaked me out because there are people driving on the roads and, and right. you, there's a lot of crazy statistics, um, out there that lead, this is leads to fatal car crashes every year, you know, um, daylight savings, when we, we, people, you know, fall back and we lose an hour of sleep the next, that, that next day, there's more car crashes. There's more heart attacks. Yeah. I think Um, I've heard that, that there's more heart attacks, like, uh, statistically significant. And then on the day that you get the hour back, it's like the day of the fewest heart attacks. Yeah. Which really tells you something. Does that just speak to like the stress involved with not having a good night's sleep? And like that extra stress is just, just enough to move the needle, like on a pop mass population. I think it's hard to, to really say my, to, to, to really draw a conclusion to that, but I would say yes, because sleep and stress are so bi-directionally linked. So the more stress you experience, the less sleep you experience, less sleep you experience, the more stress you experience. So it's kind of this vicious paradox where one affects the other drastically. Um, you know, a stressed body will not rest. A body that's in subtle fight or flight or has adrenal fatigue, it's, you know, I always hear people say, I'm, I feel wired and tired at night. Right. And, you know, if your body feels like it's being chased by a tiger and your body's doing what it's designed to do, which is protect you. So it's dumping cortisol and adrenaline into your system. Of course, your body's not going to go to go to sleep. You know, of course, your mind's going to be on hyper aroused. and all So even though that you're like sleep deprived and physically tired because your stress hormones are elevated they're basically there to keep you awake for uh you know basically basic survival assuming that you're in a stressful situation and assuming you need to be like your nervous system's assuming you need to be awake to pay attention to whatever stress is is in front of you 
That's correct. That's exactly right. It's, 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 it's biologically programmed to do that. And unfortunately, it's a lot of times people's biology now is keeping them, them stuck because, you know, most people are in chronic fight or flight, low grade stress, especially since the pandemic, since the lockdown, since all the fear mongering on the news, uh, a lot more uncertainty has been introduced into most people's lives. Uncertainty usually leads to stress. So, you know, so more, there's more stress as, as a society, there's more stress individually with the new challenges that have come along in the last couple of years with what the world's going through. It's interesting. I heard, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I heard a recent statistic about they were polling people, what their biggest concern was in the political realm going forward to the next election. And the majority said inflation. And I'm thinking, I remember taking economics in, uh, in college. It's what my major was. And you know, understanding a little bit about the dangers around it. But like in my lifetime, that's never been a fear that like the average person has ever thought about. Like there's all these new kinds of stresses aside from the stress of, you know, maybe the fear of getting sick or not seeing loved ones. But like the average person, the last decade, 20, 30 years, like that word was never, inflation was never even talked about. And now there's like average people that are, legitimately worried and like layering that stress on top of other stuff. So we all like, we've all, I would assume that everybody at some point has had a good night's sleep and like has recognized that moment where, or maybe they didn't recognize, but like where they felt good because of that good night's sleep, whether it's the right duration and the appropriate quality. Like, what is it? Like, what's the why? Like, why is it so important to get good sleep what's the things that like take place during sleep that seem to be such a big deal when you don't get them yeah so even even though it seems like our our bodies are asleep when we're asleep they're actually wide awake so so much actually happens during the night and from very high level uh, in, in a nutshell essentially that's when our body repairs and recovers that's when our immune cells um, are act, most active clearing out cancer cells. That's when, you know, the glimpse system, which is like the lymph system in the brain, the brain actually shrinks a little bit and this cerebral spinal fluid flushes out beta amyloid and the plaque that builds up the crease Alzheimer's. So essentially our body goes, it's like um, every night, it's like we take our body into the repair garage and the repairman goes through, finds all the, you know, the damaged cells and cleans it out. And that happens mostly during, you know, Delta deep sleep. Also, you know, our mind, like from an emotional standpoint, dreams, you know, it's dreaming is like emotional first aid. So the, the repressed trauma, uh, you know, micro trauma and macro trauma, you know, all the emotions that weren't dealt with because you didn't have time or maybe you didn't have the tools, um, that all gets sort of worked out throughout the night. Uh, through dreams. So you're saying dreams serve a functional purpose to like manage or process traumas? Yeah, they can. They can. I mean, and this is, this is obviously theory. It's kind of hard to, at this point, um, but there, there are theories that now point to that. Like it is, that is why do we dream? And there's a lot of different reasons. You know, people have a lot of different theories. That is one theory. It's to work out the emotional traumas that get suppressed. 
uh, throughout the day. Um, and again, do they know what makes, makes you dream? Like what, what triggers, like what, um, system or what series of steps? Is it just being in the right brain state? Like you mentioned deep sleep and Delta waves. Like, is there just a certain wavelength that once your brain hits that, that level of wavelength, that mode, the dreams just start to happen? Yeah. So that's, you know, REM or rapid eye movement. There's really two types of sleep. So there's non-REM or non-rapid eye movement and then rapid eye movement. And so non-REM is, is really deep, when we're in deep sleep. That's mostly when our bodies are, are recovering uh, physically. And then REM actually, is our bodies become paralyzed because you don't want to be acting out your dreams. And yes, there's different uh, brainwave states associated each stage of sleep. That's one of the ways we, you know, you know that you're in a stage of sleep is, are you in, you know, theta or Delta, or, you know, you're, you're essentially your brain is, is going through this dance um, over the course of the night, about every 90 minutes, you're going through these different, you know, you're, you're completing these different uh, sleep cycles. And so, yeah, there are different stages um, in the brain that are correlated to different you know, types of sleep. And when we're talking about quality of sleep, we're really talking about the Delta sleep and then the REM sleep, the dreaming state. That's when most of the, you know, the magic happens, although you have to get through light sleep to get to those stages. So every stage of sleep is important. So um, is there, what's the, um, so deep sleep is related or linked to that Delta wave. Yep. And that's non-REM. So the, the REM sleep, what, um, wave like, yeah. or is that related I, to, I believe it's a theta I'd have to double check. Um, okay. but I believe it is theta and, and sometimes actually there's certain types of meditation where you could actually get into like, uh, sort of like a dreaming state of sleep. Um, I believe it is theta. I, I'd have to double check off, you know, don't quote me on that but I believe it is the theta state. I know yeah. you can get in the theta through the meditation and some people can even get in the Delta. I just didn't know how the REM, where that fit in with those wavelengths. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've heard to sleep referred to as like the Swiss army knife of health. Like it kind of makes everything better. So part of it is like this cleansing that goes on where the, the brain kind of clears out. You said the glimpse system, basically, I guess that drains into the below the neck, like the, the, the regular lymphatic system, which among other things acts as like our, our sewage system in a, in a sense. So, right. so gets kind of debris out so that you could, you know, excrete it out in the toilet in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and you said there's some kind of consolidation of like, uh, emotional things that are worked out through dreams, potentially it's a theory. Are there, what other, are there other mechanisms? Like, I assume there's just basic DNA repair, like cellular regeneration things. If you, if you know, have an injury or torn, you know, you, you sprained an ankle that that's time where your body can focus on. Are there any on like repair? Are there any other, like, I guess, big, um, things like actions that take place that you know of? I mean, those are the, those are the big ones. 
really it's 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 physical body repair and, and that's important for for immune system health and i think a lot of people um you know that's that's the most important like we've all had the experience of not getting great sleep and then getting sick and there's actually really a lot of interesting studies around um people that don't get adequate sleep the you know the flu vaccines are not as effective okay. um and so you know, so yeah, so that's really important, you know, the activation of T cells and, you know, it, that's, that's like a hundred percent why one of the main reasons why we need to sleep is to repair. Um, and then along the sides of the mental sides of, of, of why we need to sleep. Yes. It's also a reprieve from just, you know, being on all day. Um, it allows the mind to, to rest while also coming up with new, like on the other side is creative ideas, like creative problem solving. So what's interesting is that there are people that in, you can work in your sleep, you can solve problems in your sleep. It can be used as a, as a creative solution. And I love, I've, I've spoken around the country and I always ask in, in workshops and things, you know, has anyone had, has anyone went to sleep with a problem? and then woke up with it being solved, like a technical problem. And I've heard the most amazing stories of, of people, and I'll share one, actually it was my, um, my accountant I asked this to. And she, so she went to, she was working on this massive project, lots of Excel spreadsheets, lots of numbers. And before she was gonna submit it, um, and she said, you know what, let me just wait. I'm gonna sleep on it and double check it in the morning. And then in, in the night, she dreamed one of the sheets and one of the cells in the sheets had a, had a, you know, an error in it. And when she woke up, she was like, Oh, that's interesting. And she went and checked and it did. And so, you know, so like, it's, it's amazing. You that's can actually, weird. it is pretty weird. Um, you know, dreaming is, is a, is a weird thing. It is. Uh, and there's a lot of interesting things and stories around, you know, what, what can be, accessed when you're when you're dreaming um but but yeah so to, to answer your question those are the, the high the high level things it's physical repair you know uh activation of the immune system and and then working out emotional traumas uh work dealing you know and also um uh, consolidation of learning that's another really important one as well like short-term memory getting shuttled to long-term storage um just allowing the brain to sort of reset so it can, you know, process, uh, better. And there's actually a lot of interesting studies around when we don't get enough sleep, how that affects our ability to learn and also really? retain information. So, so basically you're saying we're kind of taking the things we learned of the day, like short-term memory and putting it in a different section of our brain where it's kind of stored long-term, thus freeing up the capacity for new short-term learning to take place. Yeah, exactly. And, and a great analogy would be like your, I like to give, it's like if, if our brains are, are kind of like computers with CPU, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're closing out some of the browsers to free up some of that processing power. Gotcha. That's kind of like what happens. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's amazing. Sleep. Yeah. I sleep. mean, I've definitely noticed where, and I have a history of some sleep issues. Maybe I could pick your brain a little bit about it. I'm where, when I didn't get good sleep, I mean, it's kind of like, I guess it would be, if I were to label it, it'd be like a brain fog. 
Yeah. Like it's like this vagueness where it's hard to maybe point your finger on the problem, but you just don't feel real clear. Like it's not a good day to be, you know, taking a math quiz kind of sensation. And um, yeah. which is, um, you know, it's, it's not a, it's a frustrating, it's not a good sensation to experience. Um, and I, so I went, I, I, the audience has probably heard this, but I went through a period where I got uh, uh, contracted Lyme disease from a tick bite and my health got like just, you know, thrown for a loop. And one of the things that was big was, or that was really negatively impactful seems was the treatment. So like a sizable dose of a broad spectrum antibiotic. And, you know, it was a miracle, I think, initially, because it knocked out the Lyme symptoms, like within, you know, a couple of days, but I was supposed to take and in hindsight, I don't think I would do the same routine if I was doing it again today. But I continued on this antibiotic, you know, as doctors, as the doctor ordered. And by the end of the dose, my like all my Lyme symptoms are long gone. But I was so wrecked. And one of the things that was wrecked was like sleep. Like I was up and I don't know why, like, I don't know if the microbiome plays a big role in regulating our sleep. And I just, you know, dropped a, a nuclear bomb on my gut microbiome or something, but it was, um, it was trouble in all aspects. Like uh, couldn't fall asleep well, couldn't stay asleep, you know, couldn't regulate temperature throughout the night. Like, yeah. uh, you know, wake up weird, like you're sweating one hour, the next hour you're cold. And, and it was like, oh, I would say it was very regular for, you know, some period of time, maybe multiple weeks. And man, that took a long time to kind of get back on track. And I, so I don't know. So you mentioned, you shook your head, like, is, do you know if there's a connection between kind of the organisms that are, you know, living in us and do they have some type of modulatory or regulate you know regular are they a regulator of our sleep or our circadian rhythms at all or yeah so this is really fascinating and it's it's it, it, it it's so interesting to me that you know the gut is like they say like the second brain right and and the gut you know it's 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 it produces serotonin, melatonin, a lot of hormones, and you know the the vagal nerve that runs you know from our brain all the way down into our gut. That's there's there's so much I think new science and and things that are uh, coming out that show us how important the gut is. And when it comes to sleep, absolutely. If you have any type, if your gut is, if you have leaky gut, or if you if you have if you like yourself, if you had a you know a a atomic bomb of antibiotics that just blew up the, the you know the good and the bad uh, microorganisms in your gut. It absolutely uh, can have an effect on your sleep, a hundred percent. Because, like I said, there's a lot that gets produced in the gut, you know, serotonin, melatonin, all these different neurotransmitters. And if those neurotransmitters get thrown off, I mean, your hormones are essentially what what you know control the system in the body. So if if that, if, if that gets dysregulated for whatever reason, because you have, you know, you're, you're eating crappy food or you had antibiotics or, you know, for a number of different reasons, 
then it's it starts to affect the other systems in the body and a system in the body is the circadian system you know every cell in our body has a circadian clock and the master circadian clock is the suprachiasmatic nucleus in the brain that sort of that syncs all of the clocks together so you know so if one aspect of the body gets thrown out of balance it has repercussions down the line and insomnia or sleep challenges they're just a symptom that something is out of balance it's not actually the problem it's it's almost never the problem people think oh my, my sleep is the problem it's not the problem it's a symptom that there is a problem and usually it's that some other it's it's like insomnia is further down the creek like sleep issues are further down the creek that something in your life or in your health usually both is just out of balance or compromise in some way. And the gut for sure is one of those uh, upstream things that then affects downstream the, the circadian clock and rhythm and health. Yeah, that makes sense. I, so I remember learning that, I, get, I don't know what percentage, but a large percentage of the serotonin is made in the gut. And I guess serotonin, I guess the pathway starts with tryptophan, amino acid, eventually gets to serotonin few steps later that's what becomes the melatonin which we all yeah. kind of recognize you know as playing a role in as like this sleep hormone i know melatonin has other purposes too i think within the mitochondria itself but i guess you know one thing it it does is it helps us you know fall asleep great so uh so i guess yeah if, if your microbiome and stuff is having a role in producing that serotonin then obviously that would be problematic down, you know, to get the melatonin you need, the proper amounts. Yeah. What do you think about melatonin? I mean, I'd like to get into some of the, you know, the, the how, the how to's like, how do we improve our sleep? And, you know, at what point does it make sense to use interventions that we commonly see, whether it be melatonin or 5-HTP or like, you know, a supplement magnesium three and eight, you know, these things that I, I see marketed to help sleep. And I've definitely tinkered myself with lots of different stuff. I've even tried some pretty high doses to, to explore. Um, like, where do you, where do you begin? I would, cause it would, the, the word supplement to me seems like, well, that's supplemental. So it's just like with your diet, you want to have a good diet before you supplement the things that you're struggling with. So how does that apply to like sleep? What are the, the basics of where to begin? to, uh, to move the needle in a positive direction. Yeah. So supplements are like maybe a 5%. Like if, if you look at a pyramid there and like, like, let's say like the food guide pyramid at the very top, right? Like it's the smallest area that really has an impact. Not that there's not a time and a place for supplements. I think most people are always looking for a quick fix an easy fix. And it really, I mean, they can be helpful, but that's not, you're not going to notice the, the biggest difference in your sleep health by taking a supplement, even if it's the right supplement, a high quality supplement, and you're using it in the right ways. There's so many other things that you could do before you, or that I would recommend that you do or an explore before you just take a supplement. Um, so I, I just want to start off by, by sharing that. And so at the base of the triangle would be really mitigating stress. 
And there's a lot of different types of stress. See, there's mental, emotional stress, there's physical stress, and then there's environmental stress that leads to mental, emotional, and physical stress. So I always like to, to do an inventory of what's creating the most stress. Because again, stress and sleep are bi-directional linked. So looking at first, you know, our process and what I found to be extremely helpful and effective for people that have tried everything, all the sleeping drugs and therapy and the acupuncture and all the things is first looking at the mind. So first looking at, well, what is creating stress in my mind? You know, what are the thoughts, the beliefs, um, the mental patterns that are creating unnecessary stress? So we do a, a deep dive into inventory of, you know, what do you believe about your ability to sleep? What do you believe about what happens if you don't sleep? You know, are those thoughts useful? So this is really where some of the cognitive behavioral therapy techniques and acceptance and commitment therapy techniques can be extremely helpful. That's is really interesting. Actually, yeah. can I, can I uh, uh, give an example of maybe, is this what you're talking about? I remember there was a while where I was getting up in the middle of the night and I would get so stressed about being up and worrying that like I wasn't going to get enough sleep and then I would feel tired later in the day and it it like made it worse it like that's made it, exactly it and then that's it and then one day I don't know what was the catalyst but I was I remember Dev and I would like completely flip the script in my mind and I was like oh this is great I'm up the world is asleep it's like three in the morning and like this is my time and I would have, I would either like go across the hall and I would do some yoga and meditation. I would even, I would take a bath, like light a candle, no artificial lights and um, maybe use like some plant medicine and have it like a solid hour of like nourishing me time and then go back to bed. But I think the thing that had the biggest impact was like the, like you mentioned, you alluded to the word acceptance, like being not just being okay with the fact that I was up, but embracing it like it was a gift. Like, oh, I get to do this. And all the misery and went away. And um, it was it was a really powerful lesson for me. Is that what you're referring to? Like the beliefs about your sleep? Yeah, I found, you know, working with hundreds of people over the last, you know, several years, that's the biggest lever that when you actually get when you can embody acceptance and you can flip the script so to speak or reframe and start to cognitively restructure it, it makes a massive difference because no matter what you do you can't will yourself to sleep you can't force yourself to sleep and if you're having thoughts and things that are creating more anxiety and frustration you're just keeping your body in a, in, a, in, in that stuck state so if you can get to a place of, if you do wake up, actually being accepting and, and, and allowing, just say, hey, this is my reality. I, I don't like it, but it's okay. Like it's going to pass. Um, and you could actually get yourself to a place where you're just in that state of acceptance. That creates the greatest opportunity for your body to then do what it knows how to do, which is sleep. Just like your heart beats, your lungs breathe. Your body knows how to sleep. There's an innate intelligence, innate wisdom. And it's just getting connected to that by removing the barriers first in your mind. So that's, yeah, I mean, it's, I was actually really surprised about 
how big of an impact that actually makes on people's sleep. It's something so simple. And, but then the more I thought about it and the more I kind of dove into this and really dissected it, it makes perfect sense because sleep's not something you can force or control. So what's the opposite of forcing and controlling something? Accepting it. Accepting, allowing, yeah. Allowing. Um, and so that doesn't mean that you don't do something about it, but there it's, so you can be in a place of accepting something while you're doing something about it. Uh, and it does get a little bit tricky because again, sleep's one of these things, the harder you try to improve, sometimes the worse it gets because it's not something that you can force and trying to control or force something that isn't something that you really can control or force actually ends up backfiring. It's a lot of paradox in, in this. Um, yeah, so, that's yeah. interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that you would have come out with that being like the base of the pyramid. What, what are some of the other things that are kind of foundational to the process? Yeah. So once you are understanding the ways in which your mind actually is getting in the way of your body, then it's time to start to look at well, what are the, the barriers in your body? So what can happen and what often does happen is our bodies become, they, they get in a habit of, of insomnia. So they get in a habit of waking up at a certain time. And just like you get hungry around the same time every day, or maybe you have a bowel movement around the same time every day, our bodies love rhythm. And sometimes the rhythm is, is a rhythm that's not really what we, is, is desirable. So then it's okay, well, how do we reset the sleep system? So how do we how do we move the physical barriers to help you find the balance with the circadian clock? So how do we, you know, make sure that you're getting enough light during the day, making sure that, you know, you're not taking naps, which reduces adenosine, the neurochemical that builds up and creates sleepiness. How do we make sure that we get natural production of melatonin? So, you know, restoring the gut so that your body naturally produces it as well as, um, not having artificial light so that it's, you know, not creating that uh, faucet from being blunted that needs to be turned on to initiate sleep. So those are like, so we first address the mind, then we start to look at the physiology of sleep. Um, are and, naps really that detrimental? Like what if you need it to play catch up because let's say you have a few days in a row of, of less than optimal sleep is, isn't, would the neck benefit be of the nap, be positive, even though it might make it harder to fall asleep that night, like depends. as early as you'd like? It depends. If you have, if you have chronic insomnia, then yes, I would say do not nap because, because it's going to keep you in your, you're like the cycle. prolonging the cycle. So as, as hard as it is when you're tired and you're like, you have this time in the space and you're like, Oh, I could just lay down, take a nap. And that'd feel so good. Um, you know, pushing they through do, that. They do feel so good sometimes. Like, yeah. I'm a big believer in naps. Personally, I oh. nap, you know, a lot, but for people that have chronic insomnia, so there's a difference for people that don't have insomnia. Like let's say for people that consistently don't struggle with sleep. And let's say you had a couple of nights of you were traveling or, you know, you're out at an event you know, uh, and, and whatever napping is a great strategy to, 
you can't really catch up on your sleep, but you can allow the body to sort of heal. Um, you know, there's this, there's this concept called sleep debt. And you can't really go back in time to repay sleep debt. It's not like your credit card where you can repay it. But there are things you can do to, to, you know, to sort of find the balance. But if you have chronic sleep challenge, then you don't want to nap because, again, it reduces sleep pressure and then it's going to affect that night. And then that could start the whole spin over again. And that's not what you want. And the, so, sleep, the sleep pressure is speaking about those aden adenosine receptors yeah. So adenosine. Yeah. So it's a neurochemical that builds up in our, in our bodies and our minds that, that creates sleepiness. Um, and interestingly enough, caffeine, which is the most like abused drug on the planet is one of it's very similar to it. Actually it blocks the receptors of adenosine. So that's where you get that sort of wakefulness, but it's also in your system for, for six to eight hours, a half-life 68 hours. So your system for, you know, 12 to 16 hours. Um, and so, you know, caffeine is not something that you want to, if you're having sleep challenges, you want to really be mindful of how much caffeine and when you drink caffeine. But if you have it in the morning and let's say you're done, like I'll speak to myself, I have a cup really early, like uh, maybe 6 a.m. ish. And then sometimes I have a second cup by like, and I'm done by like 8.30. Like that block, that blocks the adenosine receptors, but they would be like, that's not affecting their ability to still build up by evening time. Is it? Well, it depends on how much caffeine. And it also depends on what type of metabolizer you are. So are you a fast metabolizer or are you a slow metabolizer? Um, you know, ideally you wouldn't be having caffeine that early because when you wake up, your cortisol is highest in the morning and caffeine creates a cortisol spike. It's, you know, it releases adrenaline as well. So it, it creates more stress on the body. And so, Oh, you're, you're trying to ruin my life now. <laughs> so you're saying not to drink. So if you're going to drink coffee, drink it in the morning but not too early in the morning. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Ideally you'd wait like at least an hour to have your cup of coffee. You know, the first thing wow. really would be great if you just woke up and had a big glass of water. Cause we, we, we lose about a liter of water through respiration and sweat every night. So we're kind of already waking up in a dehydrated state and caffeine is a diuretic, which dehydrates even more. Plus it dumps, it's like dumping gasoline on a cortisol fire which then leads to more stress hormones, which then leads to, you know, being a little frantic throughout the day or, you know, whatever, which leads to more stress. So it's sort of like, it's like all these little things affect your sleep. So like a great night of sleep happens as soon as you wake up. So like every little thing you do throughout the day affects your sleep. And then your sleep affects everything that you do throughout the day. So it's like, you know, so not, you know, you don't want to be like restrictive you know, you want to live your life. You want to enjoy your cup of coffee. Like I had a cup of coffee today. Um, but there's things you can do to, to mitigate the stress of those things. Like, like I said, like optimize the timing of caffeine or throw in some mushrooms like reishi or chaga into your coffee, which help buffer, you know, the mitigate the effects on the adrenal glands. Oh, or, do they or, really? Yeah. Or you can throw in some L-theanine, like take an L-theanine pill with, with your caffeine which really helps, you know, it just helps like a sustained focus versus like a jittery kind of focus. So there's like all these little like levers that you could sort of pull so that you could still enjoy, you can still have your cake, 
or what's the saying eat your cake and have it too or have it needed to yeah you can you can kind of do that um because like just like like alcohol is another thing that that's very common for people to to have a glass of wine at night or a nightcap or whiskey tequila whatever whatever a lot of people end up using alcohol as a sedative for sleep which then can be a problem because it can lead to alcoholism um and and so alcohol is not great either but you know again like i you know, you got to live your life having a tequila and a glass of wine once in a while, if, if whatever, right? But if if you're using these things, if you're relying on caffeine because because you're you're not getting good sleep, you know, you might want to look around. You know, changing some some habits around caffeine, or if you're using alcohol to manage your stress or as a, as a sedative to put you to sleep, then then okay, there's there's something there's something there to look at. Uh, there's there's something that's not in balance. So it really, you know, it, it depends, it, right? Right. It depends on your lifestyle. There's, there's so many factors here. Um, Can I ask, so I work um, in a gym environment for the day job. And one thing that's really consistently come up with my clientele, that's we'll say like middle age, you know, mid fifties to 70 kind of population the waking up to go to the bathroom. And I'm always wondering, is it the chicken or the egg thing? Like, do you have to, do you get up because you have to pee or do you, do you get up and you have to pee? Um, so, and I don't know if the answer to that matters so much as like, what do you do if, if that's a, a very consistent pattern? Is there any ways to interact with that? I've heard people talk about uh, it really being a function of the one of the hormones. I think it's ADH, antidiuretic hormone, where that's dysregulated, which could just happen from getting older. You could just get generally worse at making hormones, you know, getting worse at you just get worse at everything, unfortunately. So like taking the substrate, the food and making all the things that the body needs, or are there other things going on? You know, let's say somebody's not drinking a lot at night and they can't really point their figure to that, but they just get up. And I mean, I hear it with, I don't like, I don't know if I have a client over 60 that doesn't complain of getting up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. Yeah. It's such a common thing. And it really is hard to pinpoint because it really does depend on the individual and every body is different. And so the challenge the, for me, it's not so much a, an issue that you're waking up and using the restroom. The issue becomes if you have trouble initiating sleep again, hmm. that's where the issue, because essentially every 90 minutes we're waking up just most of the time oh. we're not, we're not conscious of it. So, you know, after a sleep so it's cycle, no big deal, if you're able to fall right back to sleep, yeah, no big deal. No really? big deal. Yeah, the, the the big deal happens is if you start to think about the next day, you start to think about all the things you need to do, should have done, could have done. Okay. Mind starts going, monkey mind, stress hormones. You know, now all of a sudden you're you're up for an hour or the rest of the night, right. um, and you're getting frustrated because you're 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 going to dread the next day because you know it's painful when you don't sleep. So that's the that's the challenge. The the challenge. The, 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 it's not an issue if you wake up and use the restroom. It, it becomes an issue if you start to allow that to affect your, you know, initiating sleep again. 
Interesting. That's kind of comforting to hear. I've become a very skilled uh, at like walking to the bath, not using any lights, <laughs> like navigating the bedroom and bathroom space in the dark. And like, it's funny, the things, because I've heard all the things about, you know, the blue light and you flip on a switch and then, you know, you're really throwing off the rhythm because of the information coming into the eye. So, uh, you know, there's yeah. been a couple of times over the years where it's, it's backfired. I bumped into a wall or, you know, some embarrassing mess maybe, but 99.9% <laughs> of the time it goes pretty smooth. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a, there's a great little invention and actually I got it last year for Christmas in one of those secret Santas. I have a massive family. Like my, I have like over 30 cousins. My oh, wow. mom's side of the family is 13 uh, my dad's side of the family, he has nine brothers and sisters. So thir That's 13, awesome. it's a huge family. Anyway, I, I, I really wanted this thing because I knew how valuable this, this little device could be. It's, it's a potty light. And, and it, what it does is you put it in your toilet and it's a motion sensor um, kind of light. And so when you walk into the bathroom, it senses movement and it lights up the toilet bowl in uh, like a low lit sort of you know, red light. And so for people that have that issue, nightlights are great. And that little potty thing, I don't even know what the name of it is, a potty light, you can probably get on Amazon. Those are great to have. Because and, and the red light's important. And for the listeners, if you're not aware, Devin, please correct me if I'm wrong. The red light is not such a big deal at night because our we I guess we've evolved to to be around fire at night, but we really haven't, you know, been around artificial lights very long that have these spectrums that are, you know, quite different than what we would have been able to create before they existed, which would have really just been fire. And then the only other light would be, you know, the moon or starlight. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things that I've been experimenting with the last like year is reading under red light at night. And like, man, it just, you know, I turn that red light on, I start reading and like instantly I'm, I'm starting to get tired. Um, so you can use like light and temperature have a massive impact on quality of sleep and you can sort of play with light and temperature to improve your sleep quality. Um, I think a lot of people though, overemphasize the physical things and disregard the mental side of what actually is re the real challenge. Like everyone looks at, oh, let me wear blue light blocking glasses. Let me get, you know, do this routine. Let me, um, you know, make sure my mattress is, is the best mattress. And all those things are important. And I'm a huge component to, you know, getting an amazing mattress. And, you know, but I think that sometimes we tend to overlook the, the mind stuff, because you can't see your thoughts, right? You can see your environment, you can see your phone. It's like we live in a physical world. But I feel like a lot of times people overemphasize and become almost like obsessed, which leads to more frustration and stress. It's like, oh, I'm doing all the right things, but this isn't working. And, and it's uh, that creates frustration, which then creates stress. And it's like, there are millions of people tonight, probably billions, that will do all the wrong things. 
and actually sleep great. Hmm. You know, the quality of their sleep might not be great, as great as it could be, but they'll have no trouble. They'll not have, don't, they're not, they're not going to have an issue sleeping. Um, so that tells you something. It's like, you know, don't get hung up on, on how, uh, on the perfect sleep routine and all these little things, you know, these, the stories that we tell ourselves, uh, I think some t- definitely impact, you know, our reality. And so we got to be careful about what we believe, um, because it does create some challenge. I, I feel like that's reason for a lot of optimism, actually, for someone that's not, you know, sleeping well. Can you maybe give us an example of a scenario where, you know, that mindset, maybe something common that comes up or something that sticks up, sticks out in, in your practice where, you know, somebody makes a lot of progress without maybe changing so much of the structure of the logistics and the time and the light and the temperature. And yeah. Yeah. Every, every one of our clients, we, we tend to have them let go of all that stuff. And then we, at the end, we'll reintroduce some of it when it, when it's useful, because it's, it's not just about what you do. It's how you think about what you do. So if you believe that you need to do anything in order to sleep, that's a barrier to you being able to sleep because it's not true. And how do I know it's not true? Because there's billions of people, millions of people tonight that are doing all the opposite things and sleeping, sleeping. So, you know, so, so it's really, um, you know, not to say like, I, I love optimization of sleep. I love like all that, the tech and, you know, the red light and the, you know, all the things, the supplements, I love all that stuff. You know, I'm a huge fan of amazing mattresses, most best investment you possibly can make in your, in your, in your home. Most important room is the bedroom. The most important piece of furniture is the mattress. Um, but you really don't need anything in order to sleep and believing that you need something to sleep actually becomes a barrier for most people. So we, we tend to, 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 uh, help people let go and, 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 you know, let go of all the things they think they need to sleep. And then once they build up the confidence that their body knows how to sleep, then we can start to, you know, reintroduce some of those things that can be helpful for quality of sleep. Hmm. Um, because a lot of times the people that have sleep issues are the reason they're having sleep issues is because they're obsessing over it. Um, and, and the, the underlying fear that most people that have sleep issues I've identified have, this is the the biggest thing that most people fear is that they're going to continue to have sleep issues for the rest of their life. And that is, is not true. It's not based in reality. It doesn't have to be. And so that's like at the base level, people worry, Oh my, my God, am I going to have this? Is this going to be like the rest of my life? Like how much longer am I going to continue to suffer from not being able to either fall asleep or fall back asleep if I wake up? And then the mind starts to stack all these other things on top of it, which then creates a lot of resistance um, and a lot what's, of stress. What's the mindset that you recommend for someone in that situation to, to just begin to work on the belief that they sleep just fine? And, and just to accept that that's where you're at and know that it, it will pass. Oh, gotcha. Like people, cause you know, the, the, that's a catastrophic thought. I'm going to have to have despair. Yeah. 
it's a despair. It's a hopeless thought. It's, you know, and, and it's, and it leads to more ne- we call negative sleep thoughts, NSTs. Yeah, okay. Right. And so we have this whole process where we take people through, I've, I probably identified a hundred beliefs that people think are unique to them that are not unique at all. And it's always a really fun thing um, in our program for people to go through this process is the mindset training where they've, they, they, they circled the, out of the, I think it's a hundred beliefs, the top like 10 that really are like sticky for them. And then they'll realize when they're on these group calls with people all over the country that can't sleep, that those thoughts are not their thoughts because other people have the, are having the exact same thoughts. So what does that tell you? It's not your thought. And like, if it's not your thought, then, you know, it's like, it, then we really can start to play with, okay, well, is that a useful thought? Is oh. it, is it really true? Like, and then we can kind of go through some of the, you know, the cognitive restructuring that allows us to then get to a place of acceptance. This sounds awesome. And I know you're short on time. I feel like I could easily go at least another half hour. Maybe, um, maybe I could try some of this coaching service with you and then we could do a follow-up on the podcast so the audience can kind of hear what you did and how it helped if you'd be open to that yeah let's let's connect up you know uh be more than happy to explore that we we definitely have like a whole process i personally don't really coach anymore i have coaches that coach for me but um but uh but yeah we can totally explore that and and um you know and then if people want to reach out what's the best way for them to explore this option of getting a coach? And I didn't even know before you reached out that there were sleep coaches. So uh, I think it's yeah. awesome. And um, it sounds like it's really important that you guys exist and the world could use it. So uh, um, if people do want to learn more, what's the best place for them to go? Yes. Yeah, sleep science Academy. Uh, and and uh, one of the things that I'm rolling out this year is actually training wellness coaches, wellness practitioners to be sleep coaches. Okay. to have the tools and understanding to actually guide people, their clients uh, that have sleep challenges to successfully be able to overcome them beyond just the traditional sleep hygiene, you know, stuff like, oh, okay, make sure that you, you know, your room's cold and dark and, you, you know, you don't use your technology, like all that stuff. Like we go way deeper than that. Um, awesome. So, so one of the things that um, I'm looking forward to sharing with the world is, is that offering. Oh, that's great. That's exciting stuff. Well, we'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes too. And if you listeners out there have any questions about this topic, please uh, send them my way. And if I can't answer them, I'll do my best to get Devin to answer your questions. But Devin, I want to thank you for for taking the time. And I know you have an appointment in five minutes, so I'm going to let you get out of here. But I really appreciate you reaching out and I appreciate this education. Looking forward to learning more and hopefully having you back on the podcast at a later date. Thanks, Les. Yeah, this was fun. I appreciate you having me. All right. And for listening out there, hope you enjoyed and have a great day. I want to thank you again for tuning in and listening today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know I did. Devin seems very passionate about his work, and I'm really glad there's people like him out there sharing this wisdom so that we could all learn and apply in ways that we feel are appropriate for us and find ways to fit these ideas into our lifestyle. So hopefully you could get something out of this that helps you move the dial in the quality of your sleep. If you do sleep better, good things will happen, I assure you. 
And if you have any antidotes that you would like to share about things that have helped you with your sleep more specifically, I would love to see them in the comments and maybe the community could learn from that. So please do share. And if you have any questions about this conversation, uh, also send them my way and I'll do my best to respond or to get Devin to respond. And I encourage you, if you haven't already taken a deep dive in this topic, to check out a book. Um, I have not read Devin's book, but I've read a couple other books on sleep. And my guess is you could get value out of any of those books. So um, why not start with Devin's if you like this conversation and share with the audience something that you got from it. If you think you know somebody that would also benefit from this, especially someone that you know might be struggling with their sleep or struggling with their health, then please send this conversation their way. And that's about it for today. So thanks again. Always grateful for your listening. And I hope you all have a great day.